You are listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. End-stage renal disease, the use of kidney replacement therapy. Welcome to the Clinician Roundtable. I am Dr. Matthew Sorrentino, your host, and with me today is Dr. Michael Krauss, the Associate Professor of Clinical Medicine and the Clinical Chief for the Division of Nephrology at Indiana University. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable, Dr. Krauss. Thank you, Dr. Sorrentino. I'd like to talk about end-stage renal disease and specifically talk about the treatment options once a patient reaches end-stage renal disease. Can you let us know about some of the dialysis options that are available for patients? Well, dialysis in the United States right now is becoming an exciting field to be in, and we're seeing marked changes as we look at how to do dialysis. Historically, dialysis has been either two forms, hemodialysis, which is dialysis taking patient's blood, running it through a dialysis machine and returning it, and peritoneal dialysis. As we've attempted to improve the quality of care our patients receive, we have found that increasing the frequency of dialysis may impact patients' quality of life. And there are new technologies available, which is bringing it to the home and making it more available to patients. Now, peritoneal dialysis is frequently done at home. Do patients tolerate this type of dialysis better than going to a center for hemodialysis? Interestingly, in the United States, the amount of peritoneal dialysis that has been used is decreasing. It peaked in the late 80s at about 17 to 20% of the population, has decreased now to 7 to 8%. It varies by center to center its utilization. In general, in our center, we're fairly aggressive with peritoneal dialysis, and we have about 57 patients. I feel the patients do better when they take care of themselves and return to the home. Is there a typical patient profile for somebody that would be particularly good for a peritoneal dialysis approach? Most patients can do peritoneal dialysis. The limitations may be rather large size because it's difficult to get enough dialysis, but if they have residual renal function, at least the first two years of end-stage renal disease, they could probably do peritoneal dialysis at home. The patient that can do peritoneal dialysis needs to be motivated and driven to be able to take care of themselves at home because it's somewhat of a time-consuming self-management process and it takes their ability to understand the therapy and deliver the therapy. But as long as they have an intact peritoneum and we're able to place a catheter and there's not a significant amount of adhesions, virtually anybody can do peritoneal dialysis. Can peritoneal dialysis be done with just the patient alone or does the patient need somebody to help with the setup and everything? One of the beauties about peritoneal dialysis, it's very good for a patient who lives alone who's interested in self-care. No partner is necessary, and the only requirements at home is clean environment and enough space to be able to store supplies. Now, I understand there's a couple of different types of approaches to peritoneal dialysis. Can you describe a little bit more about continuous versus ambulatory peritoneal dialysis? Actually, the the two different types are CAPD, which is continuous ambulatory peritoneal dialysis, and CCPD, which is a cycler or a machine-assisted peritoneal dialysis. CAPD, which used to be the number one modality for peritoneal dialysis, is where the patient performs four simple exchanges, putting about a half gallon to three quarts of fluid in their peritoneal cavity and doing four exchanges a day where they drain the fluid and put no fluid in. CCPD, which is continuous cycling peritoneal dialysis, uses a machine which will do four to five exchanges while the patient sleeps. 
Most patients then will leave fluid in the abdomen when they get off the machine in the morning, and frequently they'll set up the device about 5 in the evening and do an exchange and then go off the machine and come back on it when they go to bed. Is that better tolerated doing it that way, do you think? It allows more freedom during the day by decreasing the amount of interfaces with peritoneal dialysis, so a working individual certainly finds it much easier. It allows the physician to get a little more fluid in and clearance in, Some patients feel better because they can run with less fluid in the abdomen. In the United States, it's gone from a utilization rate of about 25% 10 years ago to a utilization rate of about 75% today. I know the biggest problem that my patients complain about with hemodialysis is they go to the center for four hours and then they're wiped out for the next 24 hours afterwards. And I understand now there's a movement towards considering increased frequency dialysis. Can you describe what this means and how we can approach doing this? Absolutely. In-center dialysis, while it's certainly done quite well for us over the last three decades, still has a lot of deficits. The quality of life of the patients is markedly diminished. They have to travel to dialysis. And as you mentioned, the average dialysis patient actually takes 400 minutes before they begin feeling better. Now, this is an improvement from the last couple decades, but it's still obviously not acceptable. So you take a patient in three days of their week is more or less ruined by having to do dialysis and then how they feel after dialysis. What we have tried to do in the past is increase the dose of dialysis in a thrice-weekly schedule, and this has failed. What we are finding in those of us who are very interested in increased frequency dialysis is our patients begin to feel much better if we can deliver dialysis to them in a five- to seven-day-a-week therapy. The two forms of therapy that are available to patients in the United States now are short daily dialysis, where a patient will dialyze for about two to three hours, typically six to seven days a week. Another form of increased frequency dialysis, delivering dialysis at night while the patient sleeps, in which case those patients will be on dialysis six to seven hours at night, and typically they're running about five nights a week in most programs. You are listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Matthew Sorrentino, and my guest is Dr. Michael Krauss, and we have been discussing end-stage renal disease and kidney replacement therapy. What I'd like to focus on now is this increased frequency dialysis and specifically portable dialysis use at home. And I know you've been involved in a portable dialysis system that's called the Next Stage System. Can you tell us about what this is and how it works and how it may be useful for our patients? It was very exciting as, as I began to look at increased frequency dialysis obviously looking for a device that I felt would be useful if I was on end-stage renal disease was attractive to me. So the requirements that I would like to see in a device is one that's flexible so you can dialyze at any time of the day to fit a changing schedule and one that's portable so that you can travel without having to try and find dialysis units elsewhere which can be expensive and difficult to do. The next stage system one was a device which we first studied for hemodialysis in early 2004. Then it was cleared by the FDA in later 2004 for home use. It's a device that weighs approximately 75 pounds, and patients set this up daily using bagged fluids when they travel or a device that generates ultra-pure dialysate at home, mostly disposable equipment. So the setup takes about 20 minutes, and cleanup takes about 20 minutes as well, allowing the patients to have a a flexible time schedule. With the use of dialysis in bags, dialysis can be delivered to vacation destinations and patients 
basically enjoy an increased portability as well, and they can travel. Now, when a patient uses a system like this, how long do they stay on dialysis? Is it still a four-hour session, or could they do shorter sessions? What I found in my practice is that patients have a limit to which they can generally stay on dialysis. So the average patient of of reasonable size, I generally can get 90% of my patients to dialyze between two and two and a half hours. I found that going under two hours, the patients don't feel as well. So the goal we have of therapy at Indiana University is two to two and a half hours of therapy, and we've been successful in most patients. The excessively large patients obviously have to go a little bit longer. Now, is this daily or is this uh, not every day of the week? My patients dialyze six days a week, and a couple of them do seven because they feel a little better at seven days a week. Now, this is still a hemodialysis system, so we need to cannulate their fistula or their graft. So I suspect this needs a caregiver to help them with it? The device is cleared by the FDA for use with a caregiver, a trained caregiver. That caregiver can be a spouse, a child, a friend. There are programs where patients do dialyze on their own without caregivers, however. So there's some training, obviously, that has to be done. How difficult is it to train a spouse or a caregiver to set up and use this system? The caregiver's responsibility will vary from patient to patient, so it depends on on what their needs are. I have a patient who's a quadriplegic, so obviously his wife has to do everything. Her training was about three weeks of daily dialysis. In general, most patients do most of the work and their partners do less of the work and they're available if there's problems. So in our institution, we train most of our patients within three weeks and we train most partners within one week. Now the big concern, of course, is introducing infection. Is there any data showing that using a portable system at home is as good as center dialysis in terms of complications, or do we just not know at this point if one is better or equal to the other? There's a number of small studies that have shown many things. When the device was studied for acute problems in home versus center, there was slightly less problems at home than in center. When we look at access problems, infection, as well as thrombosis and stenosis and requiring a fistulogram or surgery, actually there's been three studies that show the accesses perform better with less infection and less procedures required in the daily processes rather than the thrice weekly. So I don't know if there's enough data for me to be comfortable with that, but when I, when I discuss this with patients, what I say is generally I think that it is certainly no worse and there may be a slight improvement by doing it daily. Is there any evidence that this increased frequency dialysis clearly makes patients feel better? Does it solve this profound fatigue problem that sometimes patients have with the in-center dialysis? Without a doubt, there's a couple things that are very easy to see when you perform increased frequency dialysis on your patients, either nocturnal or short daily. What you see within the first couple of weeks is a marked reduction in blood pressure. You lose the variability in blood pressure that frequently complicates dialysis, going from high blood pressure before dialysis to even hypotension after dialysis, and that resolves very quickly, such that 90% of my patients are on one or fewer drugs, and most of them are completely off antihypertensives, and when they've come to me, most of them, 80% have been on three to five drugs. Other things that are rapid and easy to see is the patients feel much better after dialysis and the time to recover when queried has been very short, ranging from 0 to 30 minutes in the majority of the patients. So that loss of fatigue post-dialysis resolves very quickly. In addition, studies, particularly with nocturnal dialysis, have shown less requirements of erythropoietin, and some short daily studies have suggested this as well. So there are a number of improvements in the morbidities that we see in chronic kidney disease 
that I think even though the therapy and the using increased frequency is once again improving rapidly, we, we can see that these comorbidities have improved. How available is increased frequency dialysis and these portable machines? Is this something brand new that is only just getting out there, or are we starting to see an increased number of patients on it? Well, the only device out there that's truly portable now and allows for travel is the Next Stage System 1. That's a company, as, as I stated earlier, we began studying the device for home hemodialysis in March of 2004. It has grown rapidly since that time. Uh, as of the last quarter, there were just under 1,300 people actively on the therapy in the United States today with uh, 200 centers prescribing the therapy. I want to thank Dr. Michael Krauss, the Associate Professor of Clinical Medicine and Clinical Chief for the Division of Nephrology at Indiana University, who has been our guest, and we have been discussing end-stage renal disease and kidney replacement therapy. I am Dr. Matthew Sorrentino. You have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.